Hey, it's Alex from X-Growth. I know, it's been a while. I've been pretty busy though. Currently, I'm producing the 2023 State of Account-Based Marketing in APAC report. With a focus on illuminating the current trends, strategies, and growth of account-based marketing in APAC, the report is going to be a vital resource for marketers navigating this dynamic area. So, are you keen to get involved? We have a survey that is completely anonymous and will only take a few minutes of your time. We'll be analyzing the results and seeing how much ABM has changed in the region over the past 12 months. As a thank you, once the report is complete, I will personally mail you a pre-release hard copy. You can also download the ABM Essentials pack I've put together immediately after completing the survey. There's a link to the survey in the comments, but you can also go to xgrowth.com.au forward slash survey. That's xgrowth.com.au forward slash survey. The more responses, the better the report. So please share it with anyone you think could benefit from the report. Okay, let's get to the show. What's up, marketers, and welcome to another episode of the Growth Colony Podcast. I'm Liza from Xgrowth to tell you that each episode we bring in B2B leaders to chat about how you can achieve those everyday wins in the marketing world. Whether you're new to the B2B game, working at a leadership level, or even just showing some interest, we know you'll love the episode. So grab a drink, get comfy, and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode. I'm Shane Hoda with X-Growth. And today I'm talking to Andrew Fitzgerald, Vice President, Global ABM at Kindrel, about the differences between running ABM for a SaaS organization versus a service-based organization. On that note, let's dive in. Andrew, thanks a lot for joining us. It's my pleasure. Looking forward to it. The first question that I have is Kindrel is a large organization, separated from IBM, but it is relatively a young organization. I guess on the back of that, the question that I have is, obviously, in this young organization, starting ABM uh, could be a bit of a challenging process. Uh, my, my question is, where did you start building the ABM function at Kindrel? Okay, great question. <laughs> Thank you. So you're right, we're a relatively young organization in some ways. We actually formed in uh, November 2000 and uh, <laughs> November 18 months ago, and um, <laughs> roughly speaking. And um, But uh, uh, IBM, the company that, that we split from, uh, announced it was going to happen probably 12 months or so before that. And as we started to prepare for that split, Within the marketing team, we obviously had to make some choices about what we wanted to build, what we were going to look like, what were what our priorities would be. And given the nature of our business, we decided relatively early on that ABM was going to be an important play for us, because we have uh, we're, we're in a we're in a space where our we're, we're a large complex organisation working with other large complex corporations and it, it's whilst we have thousands of customers <clears throat> the 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 ones who are really really fundamental to our future can probably be numbered in the hundreds so the we knew that we needed to focus on 
getting our organization back to growth. And to do that, the growth of our most important, most valuable customers was key. So that kind of situation lended itself very well to an account-based marketing approach. Our challenge, at least in the short term, is not about acquiring hundreds or thousands of new customers. It's about growing the customers that we have. It's about taking advantage of our incumbency. It's about taking advantage of the work that we already do to extend into new spaces. That's something that's absolutely right for, for ABM. So early on, it was it was apparent to us that it was, a, it was an important play for us. We got started by bringing together a few people that had an interest in the space and a willingness to experiment. So we started experimenting with a few accounts, literally less than 10, just to try and figure out how we might develop the approach, figure out how to make it work, try and get some early successes. And based on that, we then grew to expand it to more customers, figure out what the basis of our approach would be. But the kind of classic advice, if you read the, the any of the many books, blogs, literature about ABM, start small and grow. And that's what we tried to do at the very outset. Okay. So starting with less than 10 accounts, focusing on existing customers, did you have much difficulty selling the idea internally? Or it was like, you know, everyone's come from the IBM world. Everyone's like, ABM, of course, that makes sense. That's what we're going to, we're going to, we're going to go is, was, was kind of selling the idea and the approach. Um, one of the things that you had to focus on, or that was kind of like that maturity was already there within the organization. On the, uh, <laughs> a bit of both. On the one hand, the story that, uh, one of the stories that our CMO tells is of uh, first meeting with Martin Schroeter, who's our CEO, and he absolutely bought into ABM and, ha and had a vision of ABM for the organization and how he wanted to use that to develop a really deep understanding of our customers based on data, use that understanding to, to, to figure out how to get our, our organization back to growth. So on the one hand, it was a relatively easy sell from that perspective. Having your CEO interested in it creates some interesting challenges in itself sometimes. But of course, there's lots of other people in the organization and they all need to be bought into what we're trying to do as well. And that can be people in our sales organization, across the rest of the, the, the organization and within the marketing team itself. We're at the... As I talk to peers doing ABM in other organizations, one of the things that I think that's very apparent to me is, and maybe this is true about marketing generally, not just a ABM, that there's a need to constantly, not sell, but constantly prove the value. So we have regular reviews with our stakeholders in the business and that for us is all about showing the value of what we do. And sometimes we get asked very difficult questions. Sometimes, um, you know, not everything is, is perfect, but it's the fact that we have a great review uh, with our company president one day doesn't mean that in a month's time or a quarter's time, we're not going to have to go through the process again and demonstrate the value that we've continued to provide. So it's 
we had good buy-in from the outset, but it's something that we continually need to demonstrate the value of all the time. Got it. Got it. Got it. And um, obviously, ABM takes time and, and that people forget that uh, it's like six months down the line. What What is going on with that? I, I, I de- totally see that. What are some of the areas of ABM at Kindrel that, in your opinion, might be different compared to some of the other companies? Okay, a few things. First of all, one of the things that we built early in the program was a, a platform that we call LTV, Lifetime Value. It isn't really about lifetime value, uh, just the, the, the name that we happen to use internally, but it is a data-based platform to help us understand our customers better, both where they are today and the future potential. It's uh, uh, And it marries a lot of internal data, and we hold lots and lots of data, as you can probably imagine, on our customers and what's going on with them and what's what's in their infrastructure. Uh, and we buy in um, external data to help us get a rounded view. Our customer, their IT estate, both hardware and software and services that they use, and use that to understand, as I said, the, the where they are today, where we see the potential value in the future and use that to inform the customers that we prioritize, who we choose to have in our ABM program, but also it's used across the business in a number of ways, you know, to, to help determine how and where we deploy resources uh, outside of marketing as well. Right. So really understand the current and future value of, of, uh, of a customer and prioritize that for the program. But then at the individual account level, Where do we see the opportunity for growth? Where do we see the adjacent spaces to where we are today? Where do we see the issues that we can help customers to address? And therefore, what do we need to do or where do we need to work to to get back to that growth position that's our ambition for the short term? LTVs. I mean, yeah, sorry. So that's that's one thing. And I want to come back to the other things that are on your list, but I mean, that is a massive undertaking and you hear quite often people talking about that that's a big challenge. Like, oh, how do you do ABM when you have bad data? How do you do ABM when I don't have access to all the data? This sounds like it was more of like in a business initiative rather than the, the ABM team saying we got to build this thing. Is that is that a fair assessment or, or was it really like an ABM initiative? Yeah, it wasn't an ABM initiative. It was a business initiative. It was led by, it wasn't even just the ABM team, it was the marketing team pulling it together. But yes, absolutely, that was not just for ABM, not just for marketing. It's, it's, as you said, it's a business initiative delivering value for across the business. That's, that's amazing. That's amazing. And I would imagine that took a fair bit of time to, was that infrastructure already there or, or really was like starting from scratch? Well, it's never starting from scratch uh, uh, in, entirely, but uh, it was, so some elements of the infrastructure were there. Obviously, a lot of the data was there, but this is going on in an environment when we're separating from what was our parent organization, IBM at the time. Mm. So, so there's a whole bunch of changes going on right across our infrastructure as an organization, which, by the way, is still going on because it's so big and so complex. So, so there's lots of things to negotiate. Getting the data in the right 
place to be able to aggregate it together, be able to import the external data that you need, smash it together. You can tell I'm not. A <laughs> <laughs> smash That's it together. That's a technical make, term. Make That's a technical term. ABM, ABM marketers, if, if you want to talk to technical teams, that's that's the lingo you got to use. Love it. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, um, so it was, it was a significant undertaking and one that has delivered us value and will continue to deliver value in the future. And by the way, we, you know, we've still got lots of scope to, to use this in other bits mm. of the organization too. We're, we're working very closely with our broader go-to-market team at the moment to really take even more advantage of that as we think about how we do account planning, not just for our ABM accounts, but for, for all our accounts across the organization and how we use that to help make better decisions you know, right, right across the board. Got it, got it. Okay, so, so, so the, the, the data visualization, building the LTV is obviously one of the, one of the areas that, that you know, Kendrill has a, probably a more mature and different approach than other organizations. What, what else comes to mind? So uh, 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 there's a few other things. One is, again, as I talk to, to peers in other organizations, perfectly understandably, ABM is something that is extra, is an add-on to what they do as a, as, a, as a marketing team. Let's start doing ABM. Let's hire some people. Let's give some people the mission and go do it alongside what we've already al- always done. And... Of course, there's. I exaggerate a little bit here, but but partly because of the unique situation we're in, in that we're a young organisation, but we've got decades worth of of history from from when we were part of IBM. The but we get the chance to almost start from scratch in many ways, and ABM is absolutely core to to our marketing, uh, uh, how we how we understand success as a marketing organisation. It's not the only thing, but when I look at our overall marketing plan for this year, the the outcomes that we talk about for the marketing plan in its entirety are about reputation, relationships. And we used to talk about revenue, but, but we got very specific on that. For us as a services organizations, it's about signings. Which, which is the precursor to revenue for an organization like ours. So the ABM, we're really trying to embed ABM as, as the core of how, of how we do marketing. And yes, of course, we, we had a brand to build and we still have a brand to build. And that was a big priority for us and in the very early days of our organization and continues to be. But our emphasis is really about account growth Fundamentally, that's what the mission of the organization as a whole is. And that's what marketing is there to help drive and support as well. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. So ABM is like baked into the, to the, to the core of the organization, which is fascinating. I was, I was, I was reading something about Snowflake where they were talking about the same thing, where they were saying, you know, all the way from the CEO, we talk account based or whole GTM is account-based, everything is revolving around an account-based model. So, um, uh, and, and it's not like, oh yeah, we do ABM here as well on the side. So I love that. Okay, what, what else? What else is on that list? Um, what else is on that list? So the, I, I mentioned it already, I think, but ABM for us is very much about existing accounts. 
And again, the, lots of organizations tend to talk about ABM as a, as a new customer acquisition play. Um, not that, that I'm not suggesting for a minute there's anything wrong with that. And we do absolutely have teams looking to acquire new accounts. But again, because of the position we're in, because of the organization we are, our route to growth in the short term is about growing our existing accounts. So that's very much what, what the marketing team is, is working on as well. We do have a few exceptions where in our AVM program, we will consider working with a, a potential new logo customer, but it's very much an exception. We're, we're pretty much all about um, growing existing customers. And I think the the last thing I would say that, that makes us different from many organizations is how we talk about the success or otherwise of the program. For us, we're really clear. We don't talk about MQLs and SQLs. We don't talk about marketing attribution. We don't talk about how did that tactic perform? Of course we do, as we get kind of really in, intense on things, but we're really clear. The ABM program is about growing customers. If we grow those customers, as I said at the beginning, we're successful. And that's marketing and sales together, the organization as a whole. So for us, that would not just marketing and sales, but big delivery teams working on accounts as well. Our goal is, is growing those accounts. We do that, we win or we lose together. Is A friend of mine who runs um, ABM for ServiceNow, Gemma Davis, early on in my ABM journey, she spoke about a culture she was trying to build, which was this idea of we win or we lose together. And I love that. And it's something that I continue to, to strive to, to make happen for Kindrel. So that, that, that would be the last bit, I think. Love it. That's, I mean, that's very critical. And it's just, it, it is hard to get to that point. Sometimes one team doesn't perform well. Sometimes another team does not come to the table. So uh, getting to that, the, the, the nirvana of, uh, of ABM sounds, uh, sounds amazing. We all, we all uh, you know, whenever we, we talk about what we're doing in our companies, we, we all try and paint the positive picture and everything's perfect. No, I mean, everything's yeah, absolutely there's everybody everybody has challenges right and and it's just important to learn from one another hence we're doing this podcast one question that i wanted to ask you is can we talk about you know you, you said you started with 10 accounts what does the program look like now how many accounts does it include how does that how does that structure look like are there like multiple tiers how, how has it evolved over time to use another cliche that I don't like very much, we've been on a journey. <laughs> um, <laughs> as I said, we started with with less than ten accounts. We saw some early success, so we we were very gung ho at let's let's scale this fast. Let's let's do as do as much as we can as quickly as we can, and we we um, we worked with our country organisations. And we ended up, I think, with somewhere between 70 and 80 accounts as we were really beginning to get going, rapidly realizing that a number of those were mistakes for one reason or another and scaled it back. And in our in our first full year of operation, we worked with 50 accounts was was really what it boiled down to. Spread and, that was, and that was worldwide. Worldwide, absolutely. So those, those 50 accounts, as we got to the got to a mature 
state where we could look back and really try and understand performance, we saw success this year. So our uh, our financial year starts on 1st of April. So we're kind of just over a quarter into our latest financial year. And we're now, we've now doubled the size of the program effectively. We have just over a hundred accounts in our program. And you know what? It may go up a little bit more, may come down a little bit again. You know, these things need to be agile enough and responsive enough to be able to, to, to move around. But we've just been through a very comprehensive exercise of looking at our existing accounts, which ones do we want to keep in the program, which ones do we want to take out, and which are the new ones that we want to bring in. And because we've got that good, solid base of experience now, we've got a better understanding of what makes the right accounts, where we think we can make a difference, mm-hmm. what are the, what conditions need to be like to, to enable us to be successful. So, yeah, now just over 100 accounts. Amazing. Are these 100 accounts are all in, how do you define them in, in terms of how you're approaching them? Are they all like all one-to-one ABM, strategic ABM? Are they like one-to-few? Are they in kind of like bigger buckets? How, how do you approach like, you know, prioritizing them? Okay, great question, relatively hot topic for me. And so the first thing to say is we don't do one-to-many. That's not our business. We're not interested. Not interested is the wrong word, but but it's not appropriate for our business. That's uh, that's not the business we're in. The 50 accounts that we spoke about, I would really characterize as one-to-one when we were were doing it last year. And yeah, sometimes it wasn't all strictly speaking one-to-one because some of our ABM and some of our field marketers had more than one customer. And we did have some some little clusters of accounts in some places. But fundamentally, the approach was a one-to-one approach. We started out realizing that we wanted to scale it further. And of course, we're not going to, we're not looking to add new people and we're not looking to spend any more money uh, uh, overall as an organization. So how do we, how do we double the number of accounts that we want to cover? Inevitably, that led us to talking about one to few and clusters and how we make that work. Uh, so the, uh, the honest answer is we're doing one to few because m- pretty much all of our field marketers have a few accounts that they're doing ABM for. However, as I've really dug into this, I one to few is really just one to one, in my view, because you can't get. And maybe this is you know one of the differences in an organisation like ours compared to some others that we still need to really deeply understand those customers. You still need to really think about how you're going to prioritize. You still need to figure out what the value proposition is that you want to take to to those accounts. You can't skimp the steps that you need to go through. And we started with this belief that, hey, a bank is a bank is a bank. And, you know, they all have a need to modernize their IT infrastructure. So, uh, you know, Let's cluster the banks together and we can do it that way. Smash, smash them in that cluster. But you know what? They're, they all start from different places. Their IT infrastructure is all different. There may be similarities, but it's all different. They all have different approaches to how they want to modernize that infrastructure. They all have different priorities within that. They all use different language and different approaches to want to do it. And so the whilst superficially it's very easy to cluster accounts in a business like ours it's very difficult to 
do that in a meaningful way? Because our answer, on the one hand, is you know, let's stick to the let's stick to the example of modernizing infrastructures. Our answer for lots of the challenges for organizations will be, we will help you modernize your infrastructure. We'll help you move away from uh, from traditional architectures onto the cloud. We'll help you, you know, manage your security within that and all the different elements that, that an organization needs to think about. But what we actually end up doing for bank number one is going to be quite different for what we end up doing for bank number two based on their circumstances. So we do want a few. But it's actually it really is uh, a, a one-to-one approach in most most respects, and that puts a lot of pressure on the people. How do you actually make that work? And that's something we're still figuring out. And if anybody out there listening to this has great ideas, I'd love to talk to them because um, maybe I, maybe I'll come back in twelve months' time and uh, we'll tell you how we really got on with trying to make this this work because it's not easy. That's that. That will be a fascinating conversation because I know a lot of a lot of you know even on our agency side, we have people who come in and they're like, you know, yeah, I'm looking at like maybe some net new acquisition in this space, and and we have a bunch of um, existing customers that we're looking at expanding, and I usually have to like hold them off, and I'm like, look, if you're talking about expansion of new co- existing customers. Almost all of those, every single one of those is like a whole different ballgame. So you got to think of it as individually, almost as like a campaign per account. Don't go and say, yeah, we got a bunch of, you know, existing customer we've got to expand. Let's just put them in one bucket. Boy, that's going to that's gonna go sour really quickly. So that is that is very fascinating and, uh, and very interesting to, to hear later on scaling 100 accounts globally in 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 really a a one to one model how does that look like uh, on the back of that andrew we've touched on some you've 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 kind of talked about the fact that there were at the beginning you started with maybe 70 80 accounts and they were understanding that uh, you realized that were some of them were not right and you had to change those my question is what are some of the mistakes that you came across in this 18 months as part of the ABM that you realize, oh, well, we shouldn't have done that. What are some of the things that come to mind from a mistake perspective? We didn't make any mistakes. None whatsoever. None at all. We, we, we learned some things quite painfully sometimes. But um, <laughs> well, What were the, some of the challenges? Some of the <laughs> challenges that you faced? I, I pick it, yeah, so I, I spoke already about picking the right customers and and I think that I think we've learned a lot about choosing the right customers and hey even even now I'm I'm sure we'll we'll pick some customers that that will turn out to be not the right not the 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 right choices for for the long term um, and we'll have to drop them sometimes that's what's going on in a customer themselves Uh, one of the one of the accounts which we picked recently uh, in Australia, actually, was um, on the face of it looked like a really good choice, but pretty soon after we made that choice, the cust- customer made a very significant change in direction about their approach and who they wanted to partner with, not from our perspective, but for for, for other infrastructure suppliers, uh, which impacted the choice. So 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 we got so sometimes, you know, cu- customers will will change direction, which 
means it's not good. A lot of the time as well, it was, and I know this is a classic thing that lots of people encounter, it was about working with the account teams, the business teams, the sales teams on those accounts and really getting the right buy-in and the right attention from the, the rest of the team working with an account. We all know, I think, or hope we all know that ABM is not just a marketing thing. It's a marketing and a sales and a solutioning and a delivery and all the other bits of your organization coming together to be successful. And if you don't have the buy-in and, and active engagement and support from those teams, you can't make it work sometimes. And often that's not because they don't want to. It's because you know they've, they've got other priorities and other things that need to, to be fixed with, within an account. So uh, a lot of the times we, we had to, to roll back because we didn't have that, that, that support. And you're thinking that yeah, we we know it will be better tomorrow. We know we can persuade them this is the right thing to do. Yeah, sometimes that works. But often, you know, I think marketing people tend to be optimists a lot of the time. And sometimes that optimism doesn't always turn out to be well-founded, perhaps. So so we, we learned a lot going through those kind of cycles. The other thing that, well, actually, one, one relatively minor thing, first of all, we started that whole sales and marketing together thing. We started out saying, you know what, we're not going to call it account-based marketing because that has some particular connotations. We really want the the organization to think that this is not just a marketing thing. So we're going to call it account-based engagement. And that's what we that's that's what we called it. And remember I said our CEO was interested in in ABM and wanted to 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 talk about ABM and and regularly does with our CMO. The term ABE, account-based engagement, just never stuck. Whenever we were talking with our stakeholders in the business, we would talk ABE and they would say, yeah, so this account-based marketing thing, really interesting. Tell me, uh, you know, <laughs> we, gave up. we gave up. It's account-based marketing. It's easier that way. There's, there's more than enough things to explain without having to to, to try and do that. So so uh, a, ABE versus ABM, that, that was turned out to be a mistake, a, 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 a trivial one, relatively speaking, but but nevertheless, maybe an interesting one. But the, the other big one, I think, was not paying enough attention to the numbers and the ROI. And by that, I mean, we were spending all our time doing, focusing on the what needs to be done and believing that, hey, we do these things right. We focus on building reputation. We focus on on engaging with the right people in an account and building the relationships that the, the numbers are going to come without really thinking it properly through. That's great, but how are we going to measure it? How are we going to show the return on investment to our organization clearly, crisply, in a way that our business leaders understand, buy into, and support. And uh, the if I were doing it again, that's the one thing I would really do differently, which is that I would have a much clearer view in my mind and within the organization about exactly how we're going to measure that ROI uh, and, and start that measurement sooner. Now, you said already, ABM is a long-term thing. Certainly in a business like ours, you don't see that return on investment in three months or six months or even 12 months sometimes. But you've got to be very clear about what that is, 
where you're going, what that ROI needs to look like, and how you're going to measure on the way to it. And we've got a lot better at that over the past six months or so. But for a long time, it was quite a painful thing. And had we started sooner, it would have been less painful. And I think that's a that's a very important point. And I want to dive a little bit deeper into that because I think this is a challenge that a lot of individuals face when they're looking at ABM. And I'm, I'm very curious if you are able to share any additional information of how, how do you measure the success? I mean, we did talk about the relationship and, and reputation and, and signing, but when it comes to basically rubber meeting, hitting the ground, how do you measure that? And, and what, what, what do you show the business that, hey, here, here are the numbers? Yeah, great question. The, we, like most organizations, I'm sure, we, we, we measure lots of things. We have some proxies that we use for reputation. And we're working on some other things as an organization as well at the moment. For for a relatively young organization whose name is not necessarily well known, it's really important that that we get visibility of what we do. And and so we we look at a bunch of things which which probably go a bit too deep to go into now. But but we look at so what are the things we can measure around re- reputation? And for us, a lot of the time that is how we show up externally in our partnership with the, the with the customers that we work with. So we look at things that we do across social media, we look at how we show up at events and we try and look at the, the, the impact of some of that. On relationships, we work relationship maps with account teams. We try and figure out who we know, who we don't know, but we need to know and and measure the strength of those relationships. And we do that together with our with our sales teams fundamentally and delivery teams a little bit. And then on the the I'll call it the revenue piece, but as I said earlier, for us it's the, it's the signings piece, and that gives it away pipeline and signings, as it is for many organisations uh, in our kind of space, is is the fundamental thing. And I I, I was recently doing a, a, a business review with probably our most important stakeholder a few weeks ago, talk, talking through the, the latest set of numbers. And I had I had a page full of numbers across relationships and reputation and, and signings and pipeline and, and, and all this stuff. And one of the one of the things I'll remember for a long time is um, is a company president said to me, there's one number on this page that I care about, just one. <laughs> and that's the signings number. <laughs> Uh, lots of other things matter to us and to him as well. I know, but uh, but you know, because signings is just a precursor to revenue. You've got to turn those signings into revenue, and you've got to be able to do that profitably. And all of those things are key. But when it comes to the performance of this program, it's about signings. And here's why we chose to double the number of ABM accounts after going through quite a painful process to really understand ROI. We looked at the performance of ABM accounts compared to comparable non-ABM accounts for us. ABM accounts performed 32 percentage points better than comparable accounts. And you know what? As we've continued to look at this, that differential grows over time. So our ABM accounts significantly outperform non-ABM accounts. Is that down to the events that we do or the digital stuff that we do or how we build 
reputation in, in those accounts or any of the other individual things that we do. I don't know. All I know is that together with the journeys that we drive with our sales teams, with the rest of our marketing colleagues, we manage to, to grow those accounts significantly faster. Now, maybe we just pick accounts that would have grown faster anyway. Maybe maybe all of this would happen without an, a, an ABM program in place, but I doubt it. Because the other, the other kind of less obvious but really important thing that I care about is what I hear back from our customer partners who are the who are the people who manage the relationship are ultimately accountable for what we do for our customers and the profit or loss and the revenue that we generate from those accounts pretty much unanimously for the accounts that we work with they rave about not just the field marketer that they work with who's driving ABM for them but the way marketing shows up in a completely different way than they have been used to or seen before and the difference it makes for their accounts. And whether that's helping to drive a big new renewal or a big new deal, whether that's helping to them to get to engage with people they've never been able to talk to before or any of the other things that we try and achieve within an account, that that's fundamentally what it, what it amounts to. So ultimately, it's about signings. Uh, and and the ROI that we managed to deliver based on that, but also it's about what what our key stakeholders see and value on the ground all the time. That is the best feeling when sales comes and says we love we love what marketing is doing. I mean, it's, it's almost in the marketing world. I want to say there's no such thing better when you get acknowledgement like that from sales team, and uh, and that's uh, that's fantastic. Last question, and we've touched on a lot of different areas where ABM could be different in the services space. But I want to ask this question if there is something that we maybe haven't touched on that you think it would be worth covering. And that is, what are your thoughts about the differences between SaaS-based organizations doing doing ABM and service-based organizations doing ABM? Is there, we've talked about a number of things. We've talked about this very strong focus on customers. We've, we've talked about kind of the, 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 the performance, looking at the performance between ABM, non-ABM. But is there anything else that come to mind in terms of that difference running ABM into, into those two different type of organizations? Uh, you're right. We've t- I think we've touched on a lot of things already. I think that as I, 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 I do try and spend quite a bit of time talking to peers running ABM in their organizations. And in fact, I was, I was talking to, to one of those people yesterday um, um, in a, not technology at all, but another services organization. And one of the things we agree on, and I see this from my peers in services companies, is it's not about technology for us. And a, a, a lot of the conversation in ABM circles is about technology and how to use technology to deliver your ABM program. And th- there's there's loads of it out there. And I'm not saying it isn't important. And I'm not saying we don't use it because we do. But fundamentally, we are a people business and a relationships business. And I think that's what services businesses usually are. And therefore, it's all about how we engineer relationships or enable relationships between Kindrels, people, and our customers. 
because that's where the magic happens. And so for us, it's, it's, it's all about people. As a, as a business ourselves, uh, as Kindle, we talk about marrying people and technology because that's what we do for our customers. And, from an, and, and that parallel works really well for ABM too, I think. It's about people and technology. But I, for me, it always leaned. What's really important in the success of the ABM program? Lo- lots of things, but great people are really at the heart of it. The thing I really care about more than anything else is how do we get the best field marketers that we possibly can to go and work with our account teams because they could, with or without technology, they enable the 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 return on investment that, that ultimate, ultimately we need. So as I compare that to what I hear from vendors and from platform companies and from SaaS companies, a lot of the time the talk is about new customer acquisition and and how how we're deploying the latest technology to be able to to achieve what we want to out of our ABM program that that as i said i'm not saying it isn't important but it's 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 a it's a distant second priority to me compared to the importance of having the right people the right culture enabling them well giving them the right education and skills um, to be able to to do what they need to do as an organization so i think that for me is really really fundamental it, it's it's if we can get that right the the rest follows and uh, and i'm i'm not sure i necessarily see that in lots of other organizations doing APM. Get the people part right. Do you want to be a part of something great and receive greatness in return? Well, with the help of Media Collateral, Xgrowth is creating the state of account-based marketing in APAC report for 2023. Be a part of this industry study and get the opportunity to win a free consultation with Xgrowth's ABM experts on how you can optimize your ABM strategy. And all it takes is filling out the survey located in the pod description. Want to hear about more greatness? Well, by filling out the survey, you'll get immediate access to download our ABM Essentials Pack and get an exclusive pre-release copy of the report. So what are you waiting for? Click the survey link to get started. Okay, this is a great chat. This is a great chat. Let's do some rapid fire questions. Let's, Let's do some rapid fire questions before we wrap up. Okay. So the first question I want to ask is what is one resource? This could be a book, a blog, a podcast, whatever, whatever comes to mind that has had a profound impact on the way you work or live. I really struggled to pick one thing. So I'm not going to, because one of the, we, uh, I, I'll take a couple. I'll take a couple. Okay. Uh, so, so, one of the uh, one of the great things about working in big organisations like the ones I've been lucky enough to work in is you get access to lots of education and and skills development resources and so on. Well, and one of the most profound things for me was the the idea of a growth mindset. And lots of people talk about it in lots lots of different ways. But but it's something that oh I don't know it's some years ago now when I first came across. The term when I first began to understand what it means, I, uh, the way it really enables you to to reframe and rethink about what uh, you know how to approach work life. Just just the the the, the principles that underlie that for me were uh, you know sparked sparked new ways of thinking and new, uh, new ways of of behaving. 
And that went along with, at the time, I was getting very interested in an organization. We were getting very interested in the notion of agile and how we deployed agile methodologies in in how we do marketing. And all of that stuff coming together really changed my attitude to how I work and how I operate. And so so it's not a book or a blog or a podcast. There are lots of Lots of people talking about that, but it's it's those ideas really that that growth make- mindset, growth mindset, love it. Okay, question two: If you could only give one advice to B two B marketers, what would it be? It's about team. It's about collaboration. You can't do anything on your own, and and for that is about teaming with your salespeople, your account team, all all, all the people there. But it's also about teaming with the rest of your colleagues in the marketing organization. You can't do anything great on your own. You, you've got you've to do it together. That would be my one. So a lot of people. Love it. Question three, who are some of the influencers in, in this space that you follow or you talk to or you, know, you, you kind of see what they're talking about? I've been lucky enough to, to get to know Bev Burgess a little bit the the i'm not sure she likes the term but the godmother of abm (laughs) and i've done i've 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 said this to her on calls as well but where i sit in my home office i literally have bev's book beside me all the time because love it. it it's kind of an essential reference guide for me so Bev would be one, but then there are there are lots of others. As I said, I really I, I get lots of value personally from trying to engage with what's now a very big and very active community of people interested in ABM. People like Andrea Clapworthy, who works for Fujitsu and used to uh, until recently ran their global ABM program. I mentioned Gemma Davis already, but there's a there's a whole host of of other people in the Momentum ITSMA community, in the B2B marketing community, run out of the UK and the US these days, the more the merrier. Because one of the things I find is talking to any and all of those people, I always learn stuff. And sometimes, you know, it's validation of what we're already doing. Sometimes it's great ideas that you can take into your own organization. So um, loads of them, loads of them. Fantastic. Last question. Last question I have is: What is something that excites you about B two B today? I was gonna, I was gonna say AI, but again, everybody's talking about AI and the possibilities <laughs> of AI and, and how to use it. So I'm not. I, I'll come back to what I think. In hindsight, looking back now, is probably the theme of my thing. It's about the. It's about the people. The as I look in our organisation. God, we've got an absolutely amazing team of field marketers and ABMers making it happen. As I look at, uh, you know, outside of our organization, the great work that's being done by loads of great individuals now is amazing. So it's it's seeing what the people are going to do, I think, that excites me the most. Uh, you know, it sounds a little bit trite, but genuinely, that's what it is. No, I completely understand. Uh, it's it's exciting to work with smart and capable people, no doubt about it. Andrew, this is an amazing conversation. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast and, uh, and, and giving us your time. My pleasure. Great to talk to you. Today's episode of Growth Colony was produced by Alexander Hipwell and Liza Maywald. 
It was edited by Dave Semedo with additional editing by Liza Maywell and music arrangement by Alexander and Liza. Special thanks to Tina Wabe, we couldn't make the show without you. Growth Colony is hosted by Shaheen Hoda, Director of Growth at Xgrowth. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe and give us a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Do you think you'd be a great guest or just keen for a chat? Send through an email at podcast at xgrowth.com.au. That's podcast at xgrowth.com.au. That's all for now. We'll catch you next week right here on Growth Colony.